and we are live but like for realsies this time i decided on tuesday tuesday was my day off from work i wanted to be a lazy bum and not record so i came up with the excuse that i wanted to do the podcast live during thursday night football <laughs> sorry guys oh he's telling me to tighten this i think we're good we're good we're good awesome okay okay so uh yeah let's just jump right into it uh we're filming on the fifth which is awesome because Thursday Night Football is on Packers. I will do it every time. So let's jump into these week's games. So we got Thursday Night Football last week. Um, Panthers versus Falcons. I thought the Panthers were going to completely dominate. I think they had the better. The be- they definitely have the better defense. But their offense couldn't get it going. Atlanta still sucks. I don't understand. I, I don't want any... Anybody thinking that this W means something, Atlanta's still going to be a top five pick in the NBA, in, NBA, in the NFL draft. Um, I think the story of Thursday Night Football, though, was more the Panthers disappointing than the Falcons sucking, I guess, because any any given Sunday, I guess, but the Panthers should not have lost that game. That was a key divisional matchup that they needed to win, and now they face Kansas City at an even record. So that's, there you go. Ah, we're fine. And next up, we got Bills versus Patriots last week. Cam fumbles away the season. I think the Patriots are two on five right now. They're probably gonna go somewhere around five and eleven. If I had to give it a number, they don't look like the same team post COVID week. Cam hasn't looked like the same player since he tested positive. Yeah. That fumble fumbled away the season. The Patriots Patriots right now are just looking towards the future. They're looking to get out of this year because this year is not going to be the Patriot. Everybody talks about the Patriot way. This year is not the Patriot way. This year they're struggling, and I'm getting a text massage. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the Bills are not as good as their record seems. The Bills, I, the Bills have played an easy schedule. They're in an easy division. Um... Other than the Dolphins. We'll get to that later. The Bills are not as good as the record seems. I don't think that they're a top five team in the NFL. I And every week, it's just they become less of a top ten team in the NFL, in my opinion. I think the Bills are on the decline. Josh Allen started off hot, and then everybody figured out how to stop him. <laughs> you just contain him. And he make him make the throws with his arms. He's still a young quarterback. He's still going to make mistakes. Tennessee, Cincinnati. If Tennessee had a pass rush, they'd be the best complete team in the NFL. But they cannot get to the quarterback, and they can't even take advantage of Cincinnati's worst feature is that they don't have an offensive line. That's a They have to nobody line. to protect Joe Burrow. You have close to $30 million on your D-line, and you can't get past the worst offensive line in the league. I think Tennessee needs to figure out what they're doing with their pass rush at the deadline, which was rather uneventful. I was really disappointed in this year's trade deadline. But at the deadline, they went and got a corner. I think that's good because that is a need that they had, but they definitely needed to address the pass rush. They didn't address the pass rush, and I think they're going to see it, see the effects of that later in the season and uh, the farther they go into the postseason. I think with that performance, Joe Burrow locked up rookie of the year, in my opinion. Uh, he's been showing out. He's been doing more with less. 
the Cincinnati Bengals have a better record than the Los Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers are a significantly better team. Although I think Herbert's doing awesome, I think nobody's going to come close to what Joe Burrow's going to do this year, and he pretty much is locked up rookie of the year. Okay, okay. The Raiders D showed up. In Cleveland, there was terrible conditions. It was snowing one second, raining another. The wind literally blew a field goal out of – it was leaning towards the right to go in the upright, towards the uh, right upright, and then it completely hooked and missed left. So the, the, the weather conditions in Cleveland were terrible. This was a game of strategy. This was a game that shows off the head coaches and the defenses. And the Raiders' defense showed up versus a very explosive Browns offense, the Browns. The Browns are the NFL's version of Jersey Shore. It's a reality TV show over there. There's always something going on. There's always drama. And that's why we tune in. That's why we keep watching. Everything good? Awesome. Live's going well. Live's going well. The Colts and Lions played. The Lions will celebrate this season with a 6-10 and 10 record. I know it sounds crazy to celebrate a 6-10 and 10 record, but Lions fans are not used to that. So this one's for you, Paul. Paul's my manager. He's a Lions fan. I think they go 6-10. and 10, Definitely an improvement. Matt Patricia's best season, I guess, as a head coach. Matthew Stafford will have an amazing season. He's also he's top 10 quarterback. I love Matthew Stafford. The Colts are 5-2, and two and they're not even meeting their potential. They have a lot of injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which I think is where their strength is at. They are very young on the offensive side of the ball. But when you give me an experienced quarterback, explosion at running back, which they've got two guys that can really do it all at the running back position. When you give me the best offensive line at football, T.Y. Hilton's still on the outside, and a great defense, you're one of the best teams in the league. But right now they're not playing up to their potential due to injuries due to stepping in their own way, just making too many mistakes. And um, they're going to figure it out and be a better team as the season goes on. And they're going to be just fine. This one was a shocker. As we're talking about Green Bay, Green Bay's up 21-3 on the goal line, third and goal. What is Rodgers cooking up, dropping bootleg out to the right? He's going to chuck it. Touchdown, Packers. Bruh. I think that was Valdez Scantling. Yep, Valdez Scantling. Catch that one in the back of the end zone. Great pass. Great play. Awesome execution. Love seeing that. It is 27-3. Soon to be 28-3. Anyway, last week the Vikings upset Green Bay. Uh, Dalvin Cook, when he's healthy, is a top five. I'm sorry. I apologize, Dalvin. He's a top three running back in the league. I think when all the running backs are healthy, you got Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. And Dalvin Cook, who's like right under the two, the two best guys to, to do it right now. Uh, I think Minnesota has a stud. They're just going to keep handing him the rock, and he's going to do what he does. Um, not on Minnesota's train, though. I think they're too far behind in that division. They are not a very good football team. They don't have a very good quarterback. Kirk Cousins, you're a good guy. Not a very good quarterback. Green Bay's defense needs to step up for realsies. They, um, they got no pass rush. They cannot stop the run. Their D-line is, is good on paper. Good on paper. They show up sometimes. But when you're just allowing huge gaps to open up, like Dalvin Cook was, was running through, like it's like Poseidon just boom, and then a wall, like the seawall opened, and it was just sand in the bottom of the ocean. And that's what, that's what Dalvin Cook was running on because he his offensive line's not even that good, and they were just pushing around Green Bay's defensive line. So I think Green Bay has to figure it out on defense a little bit more. 
They showed promise at the beginning of the season. Their offense is always going to be great, especially when you have one of the best to ever do it in Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Um, Green Bay's going to figure it out, but their defense is does need to step up. Are the Jets going to go 0-16? Now, look, last year at work, I had the Dolphins schedule put up on my wall, and I kept putting L's on every team that we faced because I thought we were going to go 0-16 last year. This year, it's not a joke. I genuinely think the Jets have a great chance of going 0-16. They'd be the third team in history to do it, and honestly, I'm rooting for them to do it. You I think the Jets fans deserve talk. something to celebrate. They haven't had a parade since Super Bowl Four, unless they go to the Giants parades. But Jets fans need something to celebrate. Have an 0-16 parade. Everything's going to be great in New York. So I'm really, I'm really rooting for the Jets to, to lose every game this year. Bruh. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Kansas City and Mahomes completely toyed with New York. They completely toyed with New York. Patrick Mahomes threw for five touchdowns like it was nothing. That's just the best team in the league going against the worst team in the league. That's what you don't get. Calm down. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the Dolphins played a complete game to get the W versus the Rams. Tua didn't even play good. Tua literally in his first start had to play the best D-line in football. Not even the best D-line in football. Just the best defensive player in football. He had to go up against Aaron Donald, and on his first pass attempt of his career, Aaron Donald strip sacks him. That sucks. That's a bummer, but it is what it is. We still got the dub. We had a huge kick return from Jakeem Grant. He's one of the most explosive players in football, in my opinion. I think his 97 speed rating in Madden should definitely go up. Um, The defense got a scoop and score. Jared Goff had four, inter- or four turnovers in the first half. The defense is going to be great. We're the number one scoring defense in the league. The Dolphins' defense is amazing. It starts at the top with Brian Flores. And the Dolphins are a team to watch out for in the AFC East for sure. We can definitely win our division. But in the AFC period, if we can stop teams from scoring a lot of points, our young offense doesn't have to score that many points. So I think we have a recipe that we're cooking with right now. We're still figuring things out on offense. Tua's still young. He's going to get better. And I see nothing but bright things in the Dolphins' future this year, for sure. Okay, okay. The Rams did exactly what they do. I've said it every week. Great team, really inconsistent. I don't think it's the head coaching. I think Jared Goff has kind of hit this plateau where he had that really good spike, and everybody thought he had that MVP season. And then he kind of dropped off a bit, and now he's coasting. I don't want to see Jared Goff. The $30 million man just coast through the mid, like, through through the season. You should, he should be fired up, ready to go, doing what he can do to help this team win. And I feel like I'm just watching him coast throughout the season. He does it every, he's done it every year since he's been in the league. And it's really going to hurt the Rams. And they're going to keep being inconsistent and losing these football games that they shouldn't be losing. I don't think they should have lost to the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins should have definitely lost that game. They got outgained by 350 yards. The Rams should have walked all over the Dolphins, but it didn't happen. The Dolphins dominated, even though they were the worst team, the worst team statistically. New Orleans versus Chicago was a great game, and I am not convinced that New Orleans is a legitimate team. Sorry, I got my people is trying to check my sound. Everything's got cool. 
So New Orleans is not a legitimate team. I do not consider them a for real contender. Do not believe their record because their schedule gets harder. They play Tampa Bay this week. Their schedule gets harder. They're going to lose a lot more games than what they're showing. And, and yeah, I, I've hated on New Orleans all season. I'm going to continue to do it because this is Drew Brees' last year, and they're yeah. not going to do anything with it. Chicago's offense needs to get better. That's one of the best defenses I've ever seen. It, like, the star power on that defense is amazing. You got guys like Fuller, Trevathan, Mack. Everybody on the D-line should make the Pro Bowl. Everybody on the D-line should make the Pro Bowl. That's one of the, bre- the best front sevens in football. That's one of the best coached defenses in football. For, for them not to be one of the best teams is insane. It's crazy because Nick Foles came out on record and said, sometimes when Matt Nagy calls plays, in his head, he's already given up because he knows it's not going to work because he's, he knows he's not going to have enough time because the offensive line isn't good. They're not blocking for him. You can't, you can't run successful plays. You can't make plays down the field when your offensive line's not blocking. You can't win the game on slants. You can't win the game on short routes. You've got to take chances down the field every once in a while. And when Matt Nagy's calling these plays, Nick Foles can make these plays, but the offensive line is not giving him any type of chance to get the ball out of his hand. And if that's the situation with Chicago's offense, they would be a, if that wasn't the situation, they'd be a top-five team. But it is a situation, not even a top-15 team. And that breaks my heart. But that is what it is. They, their offense just needs to get better. Trash Can Cisco is the most injured team in, in, in the NFL. For yeah. sure. Sorry, Mark. For sure. The most injured team in the NFL. I don't know what their medical staff is doing. I don't know what their training staff is doing. I don't know what the coaches are doing in practice. But it's the most injured team in the NFL. They have no quarterback for at least six to eight weeks. And their best player, the heart and soul of that team, George Kittle, is out with a broken bone in his foot for at least six to eight weeks. So that team might win their 4-4 four and four right now. They might win six games. I think they're going to go on probably a seven-game losing streak without these guys because their offense is abysmal. That's a big word, kids. Look it up. Abysmal. But, uh, yeah, I think they made the Super Bowl last year. Not going to make the playoffs this year. Probably going to get a top-ten pick, in my opinion. Seattle. Ooh, give me a second. Yeah, okay. Seattle is at 75% of their... Ah, we're good. So, Seattle is at 75% of their potential. Like, they're barely scratching the surface of what this team can do. And they're 6-1. and one. They've only lost one game in overtime. Like, they're, they're just winning. And you want to know why? It's because of that man. The best football player in the world. It's because Russ is going to run. Because I swear to I'm sorry, guys. I get so excited. But Russ is rusting, man. Russ is going to win MVP this year. Russell Wilson is the best, the best player in the league. Him and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Donald. But... They're winning because of Russell Wilson. There's no if anybody else is playing quarterback for the Seahawks, they're not six and one. They're not a Super Bowl contender. They're not a top five team. But at seventy five percent, they're six and one, and they by the end of the season, they're probably going to be at one hundred percent of their potential, and they're just going to be amazing. They're going to be unstoppable. And watch out, mark my words. Russ is going to win MVP. Seahawks might go all the way to Super Bowl. And that leads me to Cowboys and Eagles. The Cowboys suck. The Eagles suck. 
with a 2-4-1 record, the Eagles are in first place of that division. Two wins, four losses, one tie. First place in that division. Aww. Yo, this is telling me no data. The stream will end shortly unless you restart it in your streaming software. I don't know what that means. All right, cool. Awesome. I don't know. I don't I don't technology guys. But that's good. All right, let's do this. So Pittsburgh stayed undefeated versus Baltimore. I think they should have lost that game. They were outgained by 250 yards. Lamar Jackson just made way too many mistakes. It was basically like watching Lamar Jackson play in a playoff game. Cuz that's exactly what this was. It was for first place of the division. They only had one loss each. Like if Baltimore wins this game, they're tied for first place in the division. So this was a playoff game for Lamar Jackson, and he blew it. Multiple turnovers, played a horrible game. He's going to do this in the postseason this year too. Don't get me wrong. They're going to make the playoffs, but he's going to choke, and he's going to do this. Baltimore fans, don't be mad. It's just what he does. When he needs to win games, he can't. That's just what it is. Pittsburgh undefeated, 7-0, last undefeated team. Their next three games are all, I think it's the Jaguars, the Cowboys, and the Texans. I think combined, all three of those teams have five wins. And Pittsburgh has seven wins. That's They're going to go 10-0. They're going to start the season 10-0, and and that's crazy. Nobody would have predicted that. Still not the best team in the league. The Chargers blow their third straight three-score lead. Four straight games after leading by 16 points have they lost. Their last four games, they've been leading by 16 or more and have lost. Their past three, they've been leading by 17 or more and have lost. But I love Herbert. I think they found their guy. They just need to work on on fixing the mistakes on offense. And, oh, my God, people can comment stuff? What? That's crazy. My mom's in the chat. Hey, Mom. I've always wanted to do that. But yeah. Yeah, the Chargers and the Falcons are pretty much in the same boat. The Chargers are still going to get a top 10 pick. They're going to keep rebuilding. Everybody forgot, the Chargers are still rebuilding. One of the best. I think they're one of the best football teams in the league, but they're still rebuilding. They ha- I don't want to say it's Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn is the head coach of the Chargers. I think he's a great head coach. He's really building a winning culture. They're just making – they're a young team making too many mistakes, and I feel they're going to get over that hump soon. In the next two years, you'll see them start to get over that hump, and really Herbert will come out and show his potential and do all the things he's got to do. But everything, everything's going to work out. But right now it's not working, and they're kind of the laughing stock in the league, of the league if Atlanta doesn't exist and the Jets don't exist. Denver's working through so many injuries. I think they're the second most injured team in the NFL behind the 49ers. I think they still have the most people or the most salary cap on injured reserve. But Drew Locke, the quarterback, just keeps getting better. In the first half, I think he had like six completions with a 50% completion percentage. Wasn't doing good. No touchdowns, no interceptions. And then the second half came out guns blazing and completely obliterated the Chargers' defense. Threw for, I want to say four touchdowns. Could be three. Might be wrong. Don't fact check me, I guess. But... He threw for a bunch of touchdowns, one interception. He's a rookie. Not a rookie. He's a young quarterback. Whatever. He'll throw an interception every, every once in a while. I'm not mad at the interception. They won the game off the back of Drew Locke's arm. <laughs> Funny. And he's going to keep getting better. I think Drew Locke is 
this is kind of ironic because he's playing for the Broncos, but I think Drew Locke one day will be Brett Favre. And the Brett Favre played for the Packers, and they played in the Super Bowls, which is kind of cool, Elway versus Favre. But um, I really like Drew Locke. I think, I, think he, I think Drew Locke is Drew Locke's biggest fan. And when he plays good, that whole team feels the energy, and they just feed into it and feed into it and feed into it, and they're going to win some games. They're going to win some games for sure. The Bucks almost lost to the Giants. There, in my opinion, it was pass interference. He did not look back for the ball, went straight at the receiver, caused the receiver to not be able to make a play on the ball. People will deem it as an uncatchable pass because it hit the defender in the back. But when you're the receiver, if you're going down the field vertically and you reach over the back of a defender and he shoves you, that's a clear flag. That's a clear flag. But when it's in the end zone... For two points, and the same thing happens going horizontally, it's not a pass. I don't understand why they picked up the flag. I think they got it right the first time, but that's just what it is. Okay, okay. Giants should have tied that game. Should have tied that game. Danny Dimes made throws that are bonkers, like crazy throws to make. That catch to go, that pass to Golden Tate back in the end zone, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pass. But then he makes mis- like he just he throws it into the dirt or he makes too many mistakes. He threw an interception trying to avoid a sack instead of just throwing the ball away. He's he's just making too many rookie mistakes and he's not a rookie anymore. So I think the Giants came out and said that he's still their guy, but I think he's definitely fighting for his job if the Giants get a top five pick when you have Fields and Lawrence entering the league next year. The Giants keep losing, but in my opinion. They're the best team in the NFC least. Bruh. They're last place. They're in their wave one win. But I think they're the best team in the NFC least. They play harder than every other team in the NFC least. They care more than every other team in the NFC least. They just find little ways to lose games. And that's what happens when your team's inexperienced, your head coach is inexperienced. You're just going to find ways to shoot yourself in the foot. That's what the Giants are doing. The Giants are going to figure it out. Not this year, for sure. But if somebody told me in eight weeks when the season or nine weeks when the season's over that the Giants are in first place at the NFC lease and make the playoffs at six and ten, I would not be surprised at all. I would not be surprised at all. All right, that gets me. Did that get me into NFL Week Five? Did I just speed past that? Speed through that? I did. Let's do it. So I got NFL Week Nine, the upcoming schedule. Right now, Green Bay versus San Francisco on Thursday Night Football. I think Green Bay holds on to this lead, wins soundly. Then I got Denver at Atlanta. I got Denver winning that game. Atlanta's still one of the worst teams in the league. Denver's one of the most promising young teams in the league. I think Denver squeaks. Or Denver squeaks that one out. Yeah. Seattle versus Buffalo. Um. Russ is going to rust. Josh Allen's going to get stopped. Seattle's going to win this game. DK's a monster. I think DK eats. DK eats this game. Baltimore versus Indian, Indi- Indianapolis. Sorry. Baltimore versus Indianapolis. Indianapolis is going to play great. Baltimore's going to play greater because they're really mad they lost to Pittsburgh. Lamar's going to come back and have a strong game. And I have Baltimore over Indianapolis. Uh, I got the Giants over Washington. You know, Giants pick up their second win for tied for second, third, and fourth place, I guess, in the NFC least. Miami versus Arizona. Now this one's this one's tough. Cause as a Dolphins fan, I want to tell myself that they're gonna win this game. 
They've been playing great. Number one defense in the league. I want to tell myself that they're going to win this game. Because they played a way better team last week and won. Arizona's a great team. Kyler Murray's a stud. Hard to contain. One of the best offenses in the league. But if I learned anything from the page, or not page, from the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl, when you have the number one defense and the number one offense go head to head, the defense wins most of the time. I'm gonna go Dolphins, not as a fan. Okay, maybe as a fan. Calm down. Hey man, whatever. Dolphins. I got New Orleans versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay easily, easily, not even close. New Orleans is not good at all. They're gonna go. That, they're gonna drop to five and three. Tampa Bay is going to go up to 6-2, and two, and they're going to be first place in the division, where they should be. Houston at Jacksonville. I got not Jacksonville. Moving on. Carolina at Kansas City. Kansas City is going to dominate this game. Carolina gave me a bad performance last week. Knowing that they had to look the Chiefs in the face this week, I feel like last week was a must win. They lost. They're really sad about it. This is not one of those, oh, we lost a game we should have won. Now let's bounce back stronger kind of performances. Carolina is going to fold this game and play terrible. Kansas City is going to not do that and play great. This is going to be a blowout. Detroit at Minnesota. I got Minnesota winning just because I don't trust Detroit. But both of those teams are equally as bad. Chicago at Tennessee. I think there's no way Tennessee loses three in a row. Let's just, even though I just addressed the fact that Nick Foles doesn't have an offensive line, that the Chicago Bears offense sucks, and I also said that Tennessee's pass rush sucks, and that the defense needs to step up. 31-3 Green Bay right now. But even though all of that said, I trust Tennessee way more than I trust Chicago. So I'm going to go Tennessee. Las Vegas at Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to go Vegas. I'm going to go Vegas. I think Justin Herbert plays amazing, as he does in every game he's played in so far. But I think Vegas is the more complete team, and I think they're going to win this game. You know, stopping on Vegas, I think that John Gruden got a lot of slack last year for being terrible, as he should have, because they paid him $100 million over 10 years. Fans started a countdown to when Gruden's done. So it's a 10-year countdown. You can go find it on the internet. I don't know what the link is, but you can look it up, how long until Gruden's contract is expired. That's how mad they were. But John Gruden has really shown why he's one of the best head coaches to ever do it because he's turned this around. He's turned this ship around. The Raiders used to be one of the laughing stocks of the league. They used to play on a baseball field. They used to play on a baseball field. And now they're one of the most respected and feared teams in the league. All right, not feared, but, you know, they're a great team this year. Nobody can tell me otherwise. So, yeah, Las Vegas over Los Angeles and John Gruden. I think you're going to be coach of the year. Pittsburgh at Dallas. Pittsburgh goes 8-0. If, if Dallas is lucky, they'll score three points. Last game of the week, Monday Night Football, New England versus New York Jets. I got New England winning. I don't know these numbers, but if I had to guess, it's going to be the lowest watched Monday Night Football game of the season, and it's going to be the lowest scoring Monday Night Football game of the season. I have it Patriots 16. The Jets 12 for a total of 28 points. The Jets suck. The Patriots suck. That <laughs> just made me so happy. my heart happy. But, uh, yeah, this game's going to be terrible. Don't watch it. All 
right, moving on to my top 10 NFL teams. Oh, by the way, guys, we're not going to have NBA today. They're trying to figure out a start date for next season, but when we get more news on that, I'll report it. But uh, right now, there's nothing going on. You cannot talk. My top 10 NFL teams going from 10 to 1. We got at 10, Indianapolis. One of the better defenses, still getting healthier, still figuring it out on offense with Phillip Rivers, who is still playing in the NFL. Number nine, I got Buffalo. Not for long, probably, but I got Buffalo. Eight, I got Arizona, just because Kyler Murray's a stud. I've been figuring it out with that offensive line. Seven, Tennessee, because King Henry cannot be denied. Ryan Tannehill is playing amazing. They do have back-to-back losses. They did lose to one of the worst teams in the league in Cincinnati. Not a good look, but I still have them in my top seven. Tennessee at seven. Here's where it gets tricky. Because it's six, five, and four. Four, I have Baltimore, Green Bay, and Tampa. But I think any of those teams could beat each other. Okay, okay. Like, if Baltimore played Tampa, Tampa played Green Bay, Green Bay played Baltimore, Baltimore played... Like, if they all played each other in, like, a, a three-week span, I think they'd all go 1-1. One, one. Like, they'd, they'd, they'd all go, like, 1-2, 2-1. and, two, two and one. Like, it, it, they're, they're all beatable by each other. But I have it Baltimore, Green Bay. Baltimore, Green Bay, and Tampa. Thank you. And then at number three, if I would have put Pittsburgh here, Mikey would have called me, and he would have yelled at me. So I put Seattle at three, even though Big Ben is a liability, and Russell Wilson's the best player in the league. I put Seattle at three, Pittsburgh at two, even though they're undefeated. Nobody's, nobody's better than Kansas City. Nobody's better than Kansas City. Period. And that's that. And on to the... UFC. Did you just press that button three times, or is that the actual sound effect? No, you had to press it three times. Well, thank you. We need. To, I need to find out if there's a song for the UFC, because we get like the dun 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 dun, dun for the NFL. We get the thing for the NBA, but for the for the UFC, you just have to push a Mortal Kombat sound effect three times. So we're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on that, guys. Don't worry about it. So. We're going to recap last week's card, UFC Fight Night, Hall versus Silva. Uriah Hall is one of the most powerful hitters at 185, but he's one of the most gun-shy. He showed it. For those who watched the fight, I thought it was a great fight. Not a lot of action, but because of that anticipation, because this is Anderson Silva's last UFC fight, because Uriah Hall does hit so hard. I was, I was anxious while watching the fight. I loved watching the fight. I thought it was great. A lot of people disagree with me. Hall completely... Oh, I missed it, but whatever. Hall completely dominant. Like, it was, he was walking backwards a lot, but Anderson couldn't touch him. He was too fast. Anderson's old. And he was just, every time he threw a punch, he was he was connecting. And Anderson was feeling it. Because the second he landed clean, Anderson went down. It makes me sad to say, because Anderson Silva is so respected throughout the, the sports world, really, but especially in the mixed martial arts community, he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, he's one of he's an inspiration to, to kids all around the world trying to do martial arts. He's an inspiration to guys like Uriah Hall, to guys like Israel Adesanya, who came into the UFC and started training in mixed martial arts because they watched Anderson Silva do what he did throughout the 2010s and the 2000s. But his UFC's career is over. 
Dana White came out publicly after at the post fight and said he regrets letting him fight. I agree. I don't think he should have fought anymore, especially with the knee, with the way his last fight. He lost his last fight. He got leg kicked in the knee and his knee exploded. So he had to he had to just fall on the floor and tap. And then you put him in there with a killer like Uriah Hall and he gets knocked out. I think his career is over. Hopefully. Not hopefully than I want it to be, but hopefully for his own health and safety. But that was tough to watch. But congratulations to your right hall. Anderson Silva, kudos to you. All the respect in the world. Love you, man. All right. Bryce Mitchell stays perfect in the UFC with big win over a big name in Andre, Tut Andre Touchy Feely. That's actually his nickname. I didn't just say that to be weird. Um, I think it was a great... It was a great grappling battle, really. And then when they were on the feet, Andre was, in my opinion, getting the better of the exchanges. But Bryce was putting all the pressure. Bryce was doing all the grappling. Um, I think Bryce is one of the best grapplers at 145. He just, he, he just makes the ground. Like, it's, it's, the transitions are smooth. Like, he's just always looking for a submission. And when you're fighting somebody who's always looking for a submission, you're going to get tired faster. You're... Especially in the IQ, your like your bite IQ is just gonna keep dropping and dropping and dropping because you're so worried about what is gonna come next that if you don't predict the right thing, you're you're pretty much a goner. Bryce Mitchell's a, a, a I was about to say he's a thug. His nickname's Thug Nasty, but Bryce Mitchell's a stud. I love that guy. Still love Andre Feely, but uh, he's got some things to work on. Greg Hardy KOs the Crochet Boss Mo Green. Not surprised at all. I think I called it, but um, I'm glad it was a KO because heavyweights, when they get into those later rounds, they just stand there for a while, throw a couple big punches every once in a while, but they're tired, fatigued, and it's usually boring. So I'm glad it was a KO. Congratulations to Greg Hardy. Kevin Holland completely dominated Charlie Ontivera. Charlie Ontivera had to verbally tap because he got slammed on a takedown attempt, and I, I don't know what happened, but I, something in his neck I don't think he can move for a second and freaked out. He did get rushed to the hospital, did leave on a stretcher, completely okay. He took a picture. After leaving the hospital, he took a picture with middleweight champ of the world, Israel Adesanya, actually took the fight on three days' notice, jumped up a weight class. All the credit in the world to Charlie Ontivera. Completely got dominated by Kevin Holland, and Kevin Holland's the real deal, in my opinion. He just ragdolled a grown man like if it was nothing. Bobby Green, in my opinion, should have won the fight. I watched the fight. I think he put the pressure on on uh, on Moises. Did he fight Moises? Whoa, I'm tripping. Yeah, Tiago Moises. He put the pressure on him, did everything he was supposed to do, and I honestly think he won the fight. The judges didn't see it that way. That's why you don't let it go to the judges. Bobby Green's Bobby Green wanted to stay undefeated in 2020. Didn't do that, but uh, I think he won a lot of respect. Tiago Moises got the W. I'm sure that's good for the for him in the rankings, but in the eyes of the fans. I don't think this means much for him. I think he still has to prove what he has to prove. Uh, Bobby Green's a stud, though. I think he should have won. Alexander Hernandez gets a big KO over Chris Gritzmacher. I think it was, I think he hit him with an uppercut and then a one-two down the pipe head kick and then just rattled off a combination of Chris just, Chris just completely limped out, like head in between his feet is not good. At all, Alexander Hernandez. After a couple of lackluster performances, after losing by KO to Donald Cerrone, I think with this KO, he uses that momentum to move forward in his career. I'm glad to see it. Kind of. Adrian Yanez made it look 
easy with a head kick KO. And Adrian Yanez is a name to watch in the UFC because he's new, he's fresh, he's young. KOing people left and right. Great set of skills. I love Adrian Yanez. Okay, okay. Last but not least, Sean Strickland absolutely dominated. And if you watch the fight, he was actually trash-talking. You can hear it because they're in the Apex. So they're in the UFC Apex, which is where they're holding all the fights in Las Vegas since there can't be no fans right now. So he you could hear him. He was just screaming at the guy like, come on, man, just fall, just fall, just hitting him. Combinations, combinations, combinations. The guy wouldn't fall. guy was really, really tough. The guy that Sean fought, I can't recall his name, forgive me. But, yeah, it's good to see Sean, Sean Strickland back in, back in the UFC after that motorcycle action a couple years ago. I'm glad to see that he's doing better. Looks completely shredded. The guy's probably in the best shape he's ever been in. And this is after an accident. So this is, it's just, this is a feel-good story, you know. That's my heart. My heart's warm. Congratulations, Sean Strickland. All right. Upcoming UFC. UFC Fight Night Santos versus Teixeira. Or Teixeira, I think is how you say it in the country of Brazil. I apologize. But um, Tiago Santos hasn't fought in over 500 and, and some change days. Glover Teixeira is one of the most active fighters at light heavyweight. Is that going to make a difference? Absolutely not. Because Tiago Santos' last fight... I don't know if anybody remembers, but he actually took John Jones to a split decision. It's, he's the closest man to ever get to beating John Jones. Other than that time he got to. John Jones is undefeated, but that's not the point. Tiago Santos almost became the light heavyweight champion of the world on no knees. Tore, blew both of his knees in the first round trying to throw kicks versus John Jones. And still was able to thug it out, tough it out, and damn near win the fight. Versus the best of all time. So, yeah, I got, I got Thiago Bacchio. I, this is not, he's in my flavor for five. He's going to get a title shot with this win. There's no doubt in my mind, this is my lock for the week. Santos will win by KO. All right, now we got, next up we got Arlovsky versus Tanner Boser. I actually, I feel bad. I feel like a bad UFC fan. I had to Google Tanner Boser. I had to Google him. No idea who he is. Everybody knows who Andre Arlovsky is. He was UFC heavyweight champion of the world, known for his vicious knockouts, crazy Russian dude. He's awesome to watch fight. I had to Google this Tanner guy. I watched a lot of his uh, highlights, whatever. People watch highlights, but whatever. I watched his highlights. I think he's got power in his hands. He's got somewhat of an okay gas tank at heavyweight, and he's not terrible. And I honestly think he gets the KO. Thank you, sir. I honestly think he gets the KO because... Arlovsky is on the tail end of his career. Should not be fighting these younger guys. But he is fighting these younger guys. And I got Bosser by KO. And I think Andre should retire. I think Andre should retire. Next up, we got Ian Heinish versus Brendan Allen. I think this is going to be a great fight. This is Both of these guys come to win. They do not like losing. Um, it's anybody's fight, really. If I had to put a, a winner, I highlighted Brendan Allen. But if Ian Heinish gets his hand raised, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised, and I'm not going to be hurt. I, I'm, I'm going to really enjoy watching this fight, I think. I think this fight is it's in my flavor for five. We're going to get to it later, but this fight's going to be amazing. Then we got former two-time challenger and the ultimate fighter head coach, Claudia Gadelia, going up against, I don't want to butcher this. She's from China. Yan Xiaonan is okay, how okay. I would say it. I guess I'll find out on Saturday when I hear John Anik say it. But 
Oh, it might not even be John Anik. Hmm. But I will find out how to say that, and I will come back to you. But I do have Xiao Nan by UD. I think she's the more complete fighter. Claudia Daly's got the better camp, but she's also on the tail end of his career, of her career. I've noticed that with COVID, the UFC is pairing. Oh my God, what's going on in the chat? Dolphins are gonna win on my birthday. Yes, they are, Mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. That made me happy. Anyway, uh, yeah, I got Xiao Nan by UD. And uh, Claudia Day is on decline. Can't do anything about that. You're getting old. You've already fought your best fights. Darren Elkins is on the prelims. I don't know who he fights, but Darren Elkins, his, he's got the damage tattooed across his chest. He's one of those guys that goes in every single time, takes a big punch, packs a big punch, these, his fights are always exciting, so I thought I should just let you guys know that if you're tuning in to watch the prelims, please look out for the Darren Elkins fight because I think it's going to be worth your time. <laughs> anyway, on to our Flavorful Five, and then we're wrapping up. So like I said earlier, I got Santos getting his next title shot. I think Dana White's going to come out and confirm it that the winner of this fight is going to get the next title shot after the Izzy Yan fight. But I think it's going to be Santos going to get huge, huge KO. And he's right into the title picture one more time. I think Tampa Bay is going to completely dominate New Orleans. It's not even going to be close. I'm talking in the 40s to somewhere in the teens. For NFL standards, that's a blowout. It's going to be a four-score game for sure. I got Miami upsetting Arizona to move half a game away from first place in the AFC East. I love my Dolphins. Always have. This game makes me nervous, but Tua versus Kyler in college was a great game, and Tua got the victory. I think the Dolphins' defense is going to be the story of the game, but Tua gets the dub. I got the Dolphins upsetting Arizona, and the Bills need to lose in order for them to be .5 games away from first place. Ian Heinish versus Brendan Allen. Talked about it earlier. It's going to be a great fight. I actually think it's going to win fight of the night because those guys just like to come and slug it out. Love them both. And last but not least, DK get DK Metcalf has been on an absolute tear. Love that. But DK's been an, on an absolute tear this year. He's caring about nobody. He's ragdolling people, chucking people, doing everything he has to do on the football field to help the Seahawks win. I think he gets 200 yards and two touchdowns versus the Bills. And that's that's it. Thank you to the Raw DJs. Thank you, Marco Carlos. I came late as I do. I'm sorry for that. Thank you, Brian Flores, for what you have done with the Dolphins. Thank you, Mikey. Even though you're not here, you should have been. I got you next time. And uh, love everybody. And uh, thank you, guys. And we out. Woo! I speak. There ain't no wine here.